it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Team Allison, Pete, and Eric. Yours truly, Harry Hurley, filling in today for Brian, uh, the hardest working man in our business, the man that has earned his rightful place on what I call the Mount Rushmore of talk radio programs today in America where the Brian Kilmeade Show is the number three most important program, and Brian Kilmeade himself, the number three most important radio talk show host in America. You can follow Brian, briankilmeade.com, thebriankilmeadeshow.com, and, of course, Brian's great work on Fox and Friends, One Nation with Brian Kilmeade Saturday nights in the 9 o'clock hour, and the best-selling author, the latest work. If you didn't have the opportunity to go to one of the recent shows my goodness, they, they were so entertaining. Teddy and Booker T, you had Brian Kilmeade, you had two of Brian's best friends who acted fantastically on stage. It was just phenomenal. We, we were very fortunate. We went to the uh, Red Bank, New Jersey show. But before that, because Brian uh, was our featured guest of honor keynote speaker at our annual charity dinner that we do in Atlantic City, Brian actually gave us a preview of Teddy and Booker T and just brought the house down. Uh, so when you have the opportunity, whenever Brian is doing one of these um, shows that he does, there's production value, uh, the talent is there, and it is just such an enjoyable evening. My wife and I, we absolutely loved it. And if you haven't picked up Teddy and Booker T, go to briankilmead.com. Again, on a busy news day, even though I know it's New Year's Eve, 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 I know it's holiday mode, but the news is not stopping. The candidates are on the trail. The issues are piling up. The border, there's certainly no holiday at the border. I mean, it is, uh, it is unbelievable what's been going on. And joining us now to talk about it is Fox News correspondent. Now, just moments ago, he's been hosting Fox & Friends till minutes ago, and here he is, my longtime friend, Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen, they were like, what, do you want to join uh, Harry Hurley? I'm like, wait a minute, move people out of the way. The first thing I did, Harry, when I got off the set of Fox & Friends is beeline to come talk to you because you know why? A, you're the best in the business, and B, I love talking to you about the border because we have a moment more than just a 20 to 50 seconds, you know, when you're trying to do a quick story on the border. On radio, when you and I discuss it, we can really go a little bit deeper into it. And I think that it's an important story. Look, look at the polls. It's the second most important, consistently uh, second most important issue in the polling behind the economy. And we broke earlier today on Fox and Friends, I broke news, that since December 1st, We've had more than 266,000 migrant encounters. Now, that's significant because today, by the end of today, today, we will undoubtedly break the record for the highest month ever 
in the history of our border, the highest month on record. The record was set, by the way, last December with 269,000. And people, I think, in the country are becoming numb, as they naturally would, by these numbers and even maybe by the images, as startling as they are, Harry, of the drone shots we've been providing in Eagle Pass, Texas, and Lukeville, of the thousands of droves of migrants from multiple countries, more than 150 coming across our border and overrunning, overwhelming our Border Patrol agents. People are even becoming numb, I think, a little bit to that as well. But what is really significant about today is that we also have video of Secretary of State Blinken, DHS Secretary Mayorkas in Mexico City saying that they had a quote unquote productive meeting. But the fact is, in the two and a half years of this administration, they've done nothing to get this under control that's continued to get us where we are. And there's probably a little bit of truth to the critics that say that they just, at this point, the only thing they can do is hope that the American people, the public, just becomes numb to it, that they just tire of it and they don't care anymore. But the 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 challenge there coming from all of the Border Patrol agents and, and officials that I talk to is that if we become complacent, if we become numb to this problem that's getting worse and worse as our border becomes a bigger and bigger national security risk, then we are going to pay for it much in the same way that we were numb and not paying attention on 9-11 and when we just witnessed what happened on October 7th in Israel. And that is why what Bill Malusian and I and others are doing to report, that's why we're so committed to doing it. Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The numbers are just hard to process. They're, they're so big. It wasn't that long ago when then Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson said 1,000 is a big problem. 3,000 is like a – I think he said a catastrophe or something. Correct. Uh, so what what is 12,600 on one given day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just it's hard to wrap your mind around it, but let me let me give you a different number. And and I think this explains why this problem is so significant. And that is in the last 24 hours, which is a metric that that I often use and and again, I'm only able to get these numbers not because I'm a great reporter, but because officials want those numbers out because the border patrol and CBP officials are gagged by this administration's press people from putting these numbers out and having transparency with the American people. So it's leaked to people like me and Bill Malusian so that the country is aware. And the number uh, that has been significant now is looking at who's being released. In the last 24 hours, we had roughly speaking 9,000, a little over 9,000 migrant encounters. Of them, more than 7,400 were released into the community, into the U.S., with these notices to appear at a future immigration hearing, which they may or may not show for, which may or may not be five, six, seven, ten years down the road. And in the time that they have that release under a notice to appear, which legally, uh, uh, for for lack of you know more detailed explanation, It's a legal parole into the U.S., which would also allow them to do things like work. And so when when this administration, we have an administration that favors, that prioritizes releasing migrants into 
the country to achieve not seeking asylum from a credible threat of a dictator or an oppressive government in their home country, but rather to seek a job, a better life, employment, then you are going to continue to have the problem grow. Because the last administration said, no, we're not going to do that. If you come and you claim asylum, you're going to sit in Mexico and wait while that claim plays out. And as we know, a very, very small percentage of migrants will qualify for the current credible fear threshold. The legislation being discussed in the Senate, by the way, would raise that and that would help. But at the end of the day, if they're going to allow people to come for a job in, in no other reason than that, then you're going to continue to have the migrants spill over. And when we talk about that threat, like, well, that's, you know, you're just being mean to the migrants or that's racist, for example. Let me just explain it to you. In Eagle Pass, Texas, where you saw me for about 10 days, there were roughly 3,000 every day coming across. In that sector, there's between 20 to 40 Border Patrol agents in Eagle Pass proper. It's divided into two, two stations, Eagle Pass North, Eagle Pass South. The majority of the 3,000 come right to that port of entry. They're giving themselves up. They know that they're going to be released in great numbers, as I just described. They know they're going to get the job that they came for. That's why they keep coming. But yet, while 20 agents have to process 3,000 in one overwhelmed, overtime, exhausted shift, you have dozens upon dozens of wide-open border, wide-open miles for the transnational criminal organizations or cartels to exploit the vulnerabilities and move anything they want. I posted this past week a picture of a migrant, a screen grab of a migrant carrying a rifle in Eagle Pass across the border. He got across. We don't know where he is, who he is, or what he plans to do with that rifle that he walked across. Border Patrol agents in Eagle Pass confirmed to me they did not have any agents literally available to respond to a guy illegally crossing in broad daylight, not at night, broad daylight, around three in the afternoon, holding a rifle in his hand. Wow. We're, here's what we're going to do. It was a glorious negotiation session. The great Griff Jenkins has agreed to do a second segment with us. We're going to take a quick break. This is the topic I'm going to float. It's on this same topic because – This is the number two issue on the minds of the American people, and it will be more and more, I believe, on the minds of the American voter that's 10 months away from going to the polls. I'm going to float the Occam's razor theory, (laughs) which is that the simplest answer is the correct answer. For three years, we keep wondering, why does Alejandro Mayorkas keep saying that the border is secure when every American sees Griff Jenkins sees Bill Malusian, you're reporting, and we know that the border is, is the opposite. They're, 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 they're playing games with us. They're saying the opposite of what is true. Occam's razor, I believe the theory fits here that we search for the smallest, the simplest answer. And for me, that answer is the permanent Democrat majority in our country. This is about getting millions of people in here, fundamentally changing the composition of America, granting privileges such as driver's licenses. Most of the states have motor voter. Then they'll be on the voter rolls and they'll say, oh, no, but they can't vote. They just they'll self-report, which they won't do. And then at some point, amnesty. So that's the theory I'm going to float to Griff Jenkins. And I just did when we come back with Griff Jenkins on The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Is secure. The border, um, we are working to make the border more secure. That has been a historic challenge. Secretary Mayorkas, do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. I mean, liar, liar, pants on fire. Crazy talk. I mean, it's like a bizarro world where the exact opposite of truth is spoken. And don't forget, they used to say that they inherited a broken border from Trump. Now they say they've inherited a broken border of more than two decades. Griff, they've had three years. If, even if they did get a broken border, they made it worse. They did, did away with the Remain in Mexico policy that was clearly working. Now they're begging to get back territory, ground that we already had made. So uh, I'm not buying any of that. And, I, yes, I did go Occam's razor on you, Griff. I, t- <laughs> I took you back to school. Yeah. The simplest answer yeah. is the best answer is the right answer. And what I said right before the break to the Brian Kilmeade Show universe was that this is about having an open border. It's not secure and about getting as many people that they believe are current or future Democrats into the country. Griff, I don't know if you're willing to buy in. To your little brother Harry's theory, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Harry, I will see your Occam's razor and raise you a sort of Damocles <laughs> oh, because they are simply the answer is they're just simply lying, as you rightfully point out. They are lying. There is no other way to accurately, at this point as a journalist, to put into context what they are saying is completely contrary to what you're seeing. And it's a sort of Damocles because of the imminent peril that is hanging over not only the nation's head with the national security risks that we just talked about in the last uh, segment, but also the imminent peril that now hangs over them politically. So they're driven on two fronts. There's more than one motivation for them at this point to continue lying. In fact, I just, Harry, read uh, 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 the the AP report, you know, read out on the on the meeting because Blinken and Mayorkas yeah. met with President Lopez Obrador, and the, the the there was no press conference. There's no, you know, just a word salad statement that it was a productive meeting and no takeaways, no deliverables, as they say, and we know very little about it. However. There was a quote from a senior Biden administration official who also told the reporters there gathered, I believe it was an AP report that I read, saying that the Mexican officials' efforts has caused a uh, tremendous recent reduction in border crossings. And that is abhorrent because I happen to know that the Mexican Immigration authorities, the INM, which is basically our version of the Border Patrol in CBB, is broke. They have no money. I have been to the city of Tapachula, the southernmost 
city where Mexico and Guatemala's border is separated by the Suchate River. I've done live shots floating on a raft that migrants pay essentially 50 pesos to cross. I've been there more than a half a dozen times. I went to the Darien Gap jungle between Panama and Colombia. I've marched with the caravan not once, not twice, but three times from Honduras through Guatemala, through Mexico, through Tapachula, all the way up to places like Tijuana, like Piedras Negras, I've reported from Tijuana, Piedras Negras, Juarez, Reynosa, Matamoros, and there is simply no truth between the statements this administration is making about the border being closed and them doing everything they can every day to secure it and the reality that myself and others have reported on and what the American people's lying eyes see every day. And it is really an insult, I think, to the intelligence of God-fearing, tax-paying Americans, uh, some of whom elected this administration, to to insult them, to, to think that they would actually be willing to buy such a bald-faced lie. Fox News correspondent Griff Jenkins visiting on The Brian Kilmeade Show, talking about a subject he knows very, very well, and you've been very accomplished. I watched you do interpretation, you know, with Spanish-speaking uh, migrants. Was, <laughs> My Spanish is terrible. <laughs> well, you did, you, did, you did well. You did very well. It was all for the world to see. You did very, very well. Griff, uh, second straight year that our president, President Biden, has not had an end-of-year press conference, that's just sort of like you got to walk the gauntlet. That goes with the job. You know, it goes with the territory, but he's not up for it, so he's got to get out of here over to St. Croix. I don't ever begrudge presidents deserve vacation, too, but the optic of vacationing in St. Croix, not having an end-of-year press conference, the world is on fire almost literally. Israel, Hamas, Russia, Ukraine, doesn't look good. 30 seconds, closing comment. Well, it's not fair of you to uh, not point out that they couldn't move the tiki bar for the press conference because on New Year's Eve, they're going to have to crank out a lot of goombe smashes and rum punches. So let's be fair there, Harry. But at the end of the day, when the uh, critically injured service member in that recent attack, the hundred and whatever number it was on our troops overseas, left one critically injured. You don't go on vacation in the Caribbean with the American that may actually die. That's a red line. Griff, great to visit with you. Thank you so much, my friend, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Harry. Thanks for having me. You got it. I saw you in 2007 on the Fox News Channel. You haven't aged. You've got the, uh, the <laughs> secret. See you, my friend. See you, buddy. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. She is surging. Uh, it's real. There's a lot of momentum here. Um, and again, it's not just here in New Hampshire, but, you know, now she's potentially second place in a couple polls in Iowa. Um, so that's it. I mean, I've always said this is a race between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. She's making her case, connecting with voters. And it's real. It's genuine. I would agree with that to an extent. It's real that that Nikki Haley has made it a race with Governor DeSantis. She has not yet made it a race with President Trump, although closer picking up about 15 points in one poll in New Hampshire. You never know what's going to happen in a campaign, and these kinds of things happen with no warning at all. 
and they may seem very small at the time, and they can actually turn into campaign enders, especially someone that's making a move. If you go back in time, Gary Johnson, you may remember him, you may not remember him, uh, governor of Colorado. He was making a big move in the Democratic primary. And in September of 2016, he got stumped on something that if you're running for president of the United States, you should have an answer and you should not be completely stumped. Let's start with the past, and that will bring us up to today and what happened in New Hampshire with candidate Nikki Haley, who has definitely been running a very good campaign. I I will absolutely uh, give her that. She's smart. She's run a good campaign. And something happened today that we're going to talk about. You may have already heard about it, but let's take a look at what happened to other people who were also making moves uh, in their particular uh, primary election. Flashback Gary Johnson, cut two, Eric. What would you do if you were elected about Aleppo? About Aleppo. And what is Aleppo? You're kidding. No. Aleppo is in Syria. Okay, got it. Got it. And that was Gonsville. That was, see you later. You're unserious. Bye-bye. See ya. Now, here was, I believe, at this point in time, and certainly he was in the, uh, the, the campaign for the Democratic primary for president. Howard Dean was leading at a particular point, and then he had this awful moment. I happened to have watched it in real time live at the time, and I actually shared a phone call uh, with my identical twin brother within seconds and said, it's over. You could just tell this was so cartoonish and ridiculous that he was going to be finished, and he was. He went from leading the pack, doing very, very well, to complete collapse one moment, like less than 20 seconds, changed everything for Howard Dean. Eric cut three. We're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. And that was that. You had John F. Kerry. You had the Democratic primary who would be taking on President Bush in his reelection year. This is four years before Obama back in 2004, known as the Howard Dean scream. It sounded um, crazy and, and frantic. And, and odd. And then with the scream at the end, that just capped it off and he was finished. One moment, a handful of seconds. You know, Brian Kilmeade, right person, right time, this kind of thing. Wrong person, wrong time, wrong moment. Brian talks about the right person at the right time. This was the exact opposite of that. And here's one other example. And I remember this this comment got very exploited uh, Mitt Romney called, you know, misogynists and all these different things. This is October of 2012. Mitt Romney's moment. Eric cut four. I had the, the chance to pull together a cabinet and uh, all the applicants seem to be men. And I, and I went to my staff and I said, how come all the people for these jobs are, are all men? They said, well, these are the people that have the qualifications. And I said, well, gosh, can't we can't we find some some women that are also qualified? 
And, uh, and so we, we took a concerted effort to go out and find women who had backgrounds that could be qualified to become members of our cabinet. I went to a number of women's groups and said, can you help us find folks? And they brought us whole binders full of, uh, of women. Binders full of women moment for Mitt Romney. Total pandering, obviously transparently stupid, and his binders full of women comment really crushed him. And if I remember correctly, Obama beat him like a drum. Romney had won the first debate and then choked. Did terrible in the uh, the additional two debates. Had it, could have won. And uh, I also kind of felt like he was afraid to win. He just was afraid to be great. So he played prevent defense, did the pandering thing here. That messed his campaign up. And just another one of those moments that you don't see coming. He thought he could just say what he said. Hey, I got all these men. I, I want to have women. Uh, you know, And then we got the binders of women and just blew it, just absolutely blew it because he couldn't sell what he was trying to say because it wasn't genuine. And people see when you're faking it. And he was faking it. Nikki Haley today, Berlin, New Hampshire, Dateline. Do you think that she ever saw this coming? How could such a simple question? And if you look at the uh, sort of the ash heap of history of candidates that have imploded at one point, it's usually over something that is incredibly simple that you would think would require no thought whatsoever. Now, if Nikki Haley, and she shouldn't have had to, but if she would have consulted who I call America's historian, Brian Kilmeade, Brian Kilmeade this morning had the definitive answer. And we'll, we'll share that with you in just a little bit. Yes, even though Brian is off, he is working today. That's Brian Kilmeade. Nikki Haley, Dateline, Berlin, New Hampshire. It should be cut one. It is cut one, Eric. Let us hear it. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm not running for president. I, 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 I want to see uh, your view on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? No, um, uh, you answered my question. I don't think you could really do much worse. It got worse as it went on. Very thin answer, very bizarre answer, and then did what typical politicians do that I don't think Nikki Haley is a typical politician, but the default is then you turn it back to the person that posed the question. Give a bad answer, and then, well, what do you think? And then that opened up for the person to then say, I'm not running for president. You are. And then lets him really tee off on the fact that no mention of slavery, no mention of succession by southern states. All Nikki Haley needed this morning was Brian Kilmeade in her ear, cut 21. Makes no sense. I mean, considering that she had an opportunity just to back up what she did in her career. I mean, as governor of South Carolina after that horrible shooting at that church, she said, you know, it's time for us to move on. I'm going to take that Confederate flag down and we have to move on as a country. It represents 
uh, slavery and not giving liberty for all. Now, it wasn't the main course of the Civil War was slavery, and it became clearer the further the further the war went on. That was it. Free states, slave states, uh, freedom for all or not. And that's what Lincoln gradually would understand, that the country was finally ready to understand that uh, the original sin needed to be addressed. This should have been the easiest question ever uh, for her. I don't know what she was thinking. I, I really don't, because— she is. She doesn't really flub easy. She doesn't really make mistakes. Uh, she really doesn't. I mean, people talk about strategy with how to take on Trump. That's not a mistake. But this is something she's got to come out right away and say, of course, it's slavery. She, maybe she thought there was a nuanced answer to it, that everyone knows it's slavery. So how do I take the conversation to a higher level? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's Brian Kilmeade on KFTK in St. Louis this morning. And his answer is my answer. I, I, I talked to Allison, Pete, and Eric, and I said the same thing. She was trying to nuance and, and just a terrible answer and also said that she's smart. She's fast on her feet. She has good answers, sometimes great answers, to complex questions. She knows how the world works. Competent U.N. Uh, ambassador, a competent governor of South Carolina. I think South Carolina's past got in her way this morning, perhaps. She's going to have to clean this up, and it's going to be tough because when you fail on such a basic question, that's not too different than how many, uh, you know, justices, associate justices are there on the United States Supreme Court. And you, you got to know the answer. You want to be president of the United States and these gotcha moments. Look, in days gone by before there was such a digital and elect electronic presence, television, radio, uh, at all, podcasts, all of it, you could get away with, with saying something stupid, doing something stupid. People didn't find out for two months sometimes, hey, who's the president? Lincoln won. Who, who's the president? I mean, because the word got out slow. Not today. And that, and especially right before the holiday, it's, it's quasi, even though it's not really. You, you, in days gone by, you would look at this as the week between Christmas and New Year's, a very quiet week. That exacerbates the um, the problem here. I, when I see something happen, and I'm not always right, but many times we're right when we see what we see and we hear what we hear and we say, you know what? That's no big deal. That'll be forgotten by lunchtime. That'll be forgotten by dinner time. That'll be forgotten in a day over the weekend. Then there are things like the Dean scream and some of these other things. I think that, uh, and I love them. Tim Scott had a moment where he didn't remember something very, very basic that can hurt. And it did, I think hurt uh, Gary Johnson with what is Aleppo. And, and the, the person was just incredulous. Couldn't believe that he didn't know. And uh, he had the silly look on his face. Dean with the Dean scream, these are the things, and I'll tell you what Nikki Haley needed, and I can't prove this, but I would almost guarantee it. She didn't read The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. All she had to do was go to BrianKillMe.com, and she would have answered that question beautifully. There, there was such an easy, perfect answer to that question, and she whiffed. I mean, that's uh, – who? what was his name? We got – Pete, who's a great sports fan, Scott Norwood. That's wide left. That's Super Bowl over. Uh, now, I, I don't want to go over the top and say that this is the defining moment of the Nikki Haley campaign because I really believe that Nikki Haley has 
a future after decision 2024. I don't think that that 2024 is her year, but she's done herself a lot of good in this campaign, whereas and I, I feel terrible for him. Governor DeSantis, it just everything from bad luck to whatever you want to call it. Uh, after winning the way that he won, after winning Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, Broward counties, that no Republican wins, not only winning them, but winning them huge. I mean, he was at 20 percent before he got in the race. And in the last poll that we see, he's at something like 9 percent nationally. And that's just not good. And Nikki Haley has passed him. I, I believe that nationally. So if you're looking for they say second place is first loser. But if you're looking for, you know, who has made the move late right before actual votes, caucus and then votes will, will take place. Uh, it, it is Nikki Haley uh, for second place over Governor DeSantis. Today didn't help, though. I don't know to what extent I'm trying to process as the morning goes on. How big a deal is it that you did not have? Now, I will say the Democrat media has been taking it a bit easy on Nikki Haley. They crushed, obviously, Trump as much as they can, crushed DeSantis, and they've been pretty easy on Nikki Haley. She's the one. I've always had a theory that the Democrat media believes that they pick both nominees. They want, Of course, they want the Democrat. I mean, you, you have newspapers and such that have never endorsed a Republican in their entire existence. So you have a situation where they decide, all right, well, we want the Democrat to win. But in case the unthinkable happens and a Republican can actually become president ever again, this is we want to pick the Republican as well. And that's I think she may catch a break because the Democrat media might take it easy on her or easier on her than they would if this was, say, Trump or DeSantis just fumbling all over themselves about the, the the cause of the Civil War and what it was all about. Read Brian Kilmeade, listen to Brian Kilmeade, and you won't have any problem with that question. That was, as Brian said, that was the easiest question that she could have been posed, and it wound up, and this happens in electoral politics, it wound up being a tough question for her. She messed it up big time. She's got to clean up in at least aisle three and maybe aisle three, five, and seven. We're going to take a brief time out. We'll be back in just a little bit. I'm working with Allison, Pete, and Eric filling in for Brian Kilmeade. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I can't think of a nicer place to be right now than The Brian Kilmeade Show. With Allison, Pete, and Eric, my name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Brian, uh, who I call the hardest-working person in our industry. Even today, he's off, and he was working and did an interview that we just shared with you. If you would like to check in and react, we'd love to take your calls, 866-408-7669, 866-408-7669. We did a whole segment on it. Did we make a big deal out of nothing? Is that just no big deal? Do you think that story has legs? Will that continue to um, to follow Nikki Haley? Will that open up the past? I mean, I, I could see this going either way. 
the biggest break might be that we're going to be right into an extended holiday weekend. Uh, that could be Nikki Haley's best friend on this, but also at a slow time, uh, it could be it could boomerang the other way. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When I saw Howard Dean do what he did, I knew he was done. It was self evident. I'm not. I'm not as convinced that this is a game ender. Now, remember, I don't think we're talking about someone going from third to second to first. But I think clearly, in my mind, Nikki Haley passed Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, and all the things that were happening and people were saying that Haley has the buzz and you had the Governor Sununu endorsement. Clearly, that helped her in New Hampshire. That Sununu name in New Hampshire is extremely popular, father and son. And that was big time. And that, look, she went up 15 points in New Hampshire. you got to give credit to the candidate, but you also have to give credit to the fact that um, his endorsement made a big, big difference. We'll be back in just a little bit. Don't go away. It's a big news day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Brian, who Talkers Magazine calls the third most important talk radio host. In America, also, of course, New York Times bestselling author, the latest book. If it's not in your collection, it should be and turn the pages because it's incredibly informative. And if you had the opportunity to see one of Brian's presentations, phenomenal, Teddy and Booker T. Brian, I have nicknamed him America's historian and uh, Nikki Haley needed him today very, very badly. Joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show, on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline, is Brian Stern of Project Dynamo. Their handle, Twitter, but now it's X, Project underscore the line with the underscore line, Dynamo 1, the number 1, Project underscore Dynamo 1. So you can stay close to Brian and the great work that Project Dynamo is doing. This is a collaboration, a coalition of veterans and civilians that are committed to the evacuation of Americans. And I'll tell you, I I know of this organization and the great work that they've done. And we're living in times where Americans needed a way out of Afghanistan. We still have Americans, even though our president said he would not leave one American behind. They're behind. They're they're certainly left behind. And there are Americans that want to come home. You look at what was happening in uh in Israel and, and Hamas, uh, this organization, and Brian himself, who has a 26-year uh, military career, his focus was on special operations in both the Army and the Navy, a 9-11 first responder and Purple Heart recipient. I could go on and on. Brian, your resume is incredible, and you have personally rescued hundreds of Americans when the Hamas-Israel war broke out. Brian, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. 
Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. You're doing real stuff here. I mean, this is amazing. And I can only imagine that when you rescue people out of circumstances like you have, not only their gratitude, but just the emotion of what that must be like. Very rewarding, isn't it? Well, uh, uh, yeah, tremendously rewarding. I think I, you know the um, you know we're we're we're, we're a donor funded outfit, right? ProjectDynamo.org yep. is our website. Shameless plug. Um, generally speaking, we so we've done over six hundred missions that turns into just under seven thousand people. We've wow. done everything from break people out of jail from Russia to babies to Israel to Sudan to all kinds of Hurricane Ian, the fires in Maui, all kinds of stuff. But the reality is, is number one, uh, my team and I, we do the operations ourselves. So of the of the over 600 missions, I've personally been on 560, 570 of them myself. And what's the important thing is, is that we're the last resort. We're never the first phone call. That's right. Every single person that we rescue is completely out of schlitz. They are they are out of hope. They've called their friends, their families. They've called the State Department. They've called their government. You know, whatever it is, they've called everyone that they could possibly think of. And um, we, I, I've had conversations with families where their 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 statements to me is, "Look, our our expectations are low, but just in case, we wanted to give you a call, and then we pull it off." So. Um, that's the gratifying part for me is is being the last resort after lots of people tried or couldn't or didn't or wouldn't or shouldn't have or whatever it is, and then being able to deliver life to families that otherwise would have lost it. I mean, there are people that otherwise would not get home, maybe maybe ever. So you have a situation, and I, I, I think you covered it very well in that last comment, Brian, that you made. And those just joining the Brian Kilmeade Show, we're visiting with Brian Stern of Project Dynamo. The, you get to people either that the government doesn't want to do it or can't do it. There could be who knows geopolitical reasons they can't do it. A lot of reasons why it may be a different philosophy of governance, and they don't they don't want to do it. They don't do it. I mean, all these different things that you just said struck me very very hard. Uh, and some of these I would imagine could you talking about breaking people out of Russian prisons and stuff? We're talking daring type rescues, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're the only we're the only outfit we're the only American outfit to go nose to nose with the Russian intelligence service and take Americans from Russian control and get them out. Uh, the the FBI and the Department of Justice um, j- just uh, like two weeks ago levied the first indictment for war crimes against Russians for uh, war crimes perpetrated against Americans. That's our case. That's a uh, that's a kid from Detroit, Michigan, uh, wow. Operation Detroit Lions. If you Google Project Dynamo Detroit Lions, you can see all about it. He was an American kid and his family falsely accused of espionage. His only crime was that he was an American. He was tortured almost to death. And he today is an escaped fugitive of quote-unquote Russian justice. We went in and took him. He wasn't released. Wow. I, I I don't have prisoners to exchange. I wish I did. And I don't have $6 billion in my bank account. I really wish I did. Hmm. So we do it the old-fashioned way, and we take our people back. Um, you know, um, so uh, – and that was just, just recently that came out from the Attorney General of the United States. That's the first time in history that that's, that's ever happened. Brian, in, in terms of what you do, I, I don't want to say your mission impossible where, you know, the government will disavow knowledge of your existence. But you do this not in coordination with the United States government, Correct. 
Yeah, what I would say is, so we have a very good relationship with the, with the government. We get a, you know, they get a bad rap, and we get a bad rap too. What I would say is, is that we transmit up. We're doing things. We let them know what we're doing. Very often, we don't get much in return. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't even get it. We to, to date, no member of the executive branch of government, six hundred missions later, has even given us a thank you note. Um, wow. Let alone acknowledge us. But uh, you know, everyone else gets to go to the White House and meet the president. We we don't get that for some reason. Uh, uh, but but it's it's wrong to say that we're that that it's adversarial. That's not true at all. We have a very good relationship. Most of the people that we engage with at our level are as big of patriots as we are. The catch is is that the policies get in the way and the bureaucracy gets in the way and and speed with some of these things is really important. And I don't have. You know, I'm not a colonel trying to make general, or I'm not an ambassador that's waiting on a political appointment, or I'm not a State Department guy, or, you know, we answer to one one person and one person only, and that's to the families of those that we're rescuing. That's it. I don't, I'm not, um, I, I don't have any other priorities that compete with saving life. So, uh, it makes us very lean and mean. It makes us uh, very, very, very flexible, very responsive. And that's why when you see us on TV, we're always the first ones there while everyone's trying to figure it out. Um, we were we were in Ukraine six weeks before the war even started. Wow. So when the missiles landed on February 24th, 2022, we were ready to rock and roll, and we were rescuing Americans from the first 30 minutes of missiles landing. And everyone said, holy cow, like, how is that possible? It's like, well, if you understand how these things work, and there's no one there to tell me no. The embassy ran away. There is no ambassador in Ukraine. Um, everyone, it's just me and, me and Fox News, and we just pulled it off. So um, we're, we're entirely donor funded, which is the really hard part uh, for your listener for your for your listeners. Please donate. We're very real. Do all the due diligence you want. We're 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 we. Uh, I tell everyone we're like Tom Cruise. We do our own stunts. Check us out. Look us up. All you'll see is lots and lots and lots of videos and pictures of me and my crew overseas doing the thing. We're as real as it gets, and we need your help. Brian Stern visiting on the Brian Kilmeade show. I was thinking about how you said it's not adversarial, but you don't get to pose at the White House. You're not in the Rose Garden. You're not inside getting medals placed around you. Is it that you actually make – I hate to put it this way, but you can handle it. You've heard worse. Do you make the government look bad when you rescue 300 Americans when the Hamas-Israeli war broke out? Do you make the United States government look wanting and then that's the reason why there's no celebration to what you do. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know why that is the way it is. Um, I, I I don't know. I you know we we you know, privately lots of you know I spent 25 years in the government, so we have lots of friends. I have uh, um, you know admirals and generals and ambassadors and all kinds of people. And generally speaking, generally speaking, we're always well received. That's privately, publicly, they struggle a little bit, and I think I think that's just sign of the times. I think that um, yeah, I think that a little bit of that is politics. I think, and we're not political. I've got 
I've got I've got people on my crew that you know wear MAGA hats, and I got people on my crew that have Hillary Clinton for President bumper stickers on their car. Wow. Okay. That works. We that's the best thing about Dynamo. Everyone focuses on our operations and our rescues and all the cool stories and the cool videos and the the, the video of the hitman that tried to kill me that we got on video, which is pretty cool. All that stuff. What I think. I think as the leader of Dynamo, the best thing about Dynamo is we represent what America could be, should be, and actually is. I've got black, white, purple. I've got gay and straight. I've got people who don't know if they're gay or straight. I've got Republicans. I've got Democrats. I've got men, women, short, tall, hairy, bald, fat, skinny, veterans, civilian, all ages, you name it, all working together for Americans. All and of our differences. How, and, and Brian, that's how our country side. used to be. And then, unfortunately, became so divided, you know, red and blue states divide every which way you can by state, by demographic, by age, by wealth. Uh, It's so refreshing to hear that you have such a broad uh, cross-section of of all types, politically speaking, and every which way you can. I want to follow up with with something that is just curious to me, and I think it would be for Brian's listeners – and we're talking to Brian, but not Brian Kill Me, Brian Stern of Project Dynamo. Brian, in terms of now we're about to turn the, the page, the calendar, to a new year, do you have an idea of what 2024 projection-wise, or do things happen just at the speed of life and in real time, and there's things you don't know, uh, in, in, you know in terms of planning long in advance? What are your thoughts about that? Well, let me let me let me say two things. One, we Dynamo just did its first fundraiser. We just did our first gala in Tampa, November second, okay, this year, and we announced we started planning for it in August. So it's actually a pretty short thing, and it was wildly successful and super cool, awesome. Uh, in fact, former Secretary of Defense Chris Miller came and was our keynote speaker for our gala. Super awesome, almost six hundred people, all kinds of stuff. When we were planning our gala in August and doing the silent auction thing. Right, where people bid on vacations and stuff. On our list of places to go that you could bid on to donate was Israel. Wow. Okay. So August, you could have bid on a trip to Israel. Fast forward, it got Israel happens, got October seventh happens, we deploy. I came back for the gala the night before the gala from the border. So just to just to show how quick things can change, that in August you could have been doing a you could have bid on a trip at my gala to go to Jerusalem and see the Holy Land or whatever. And in in just a few short weeks later, we are fully deployed there in Gaza, in Israel, doing airplanes, rescuing people, all kinds of stuff in a very short amount of time. So my point is is the world is volatile. They, uh, and it's and, gonna and, st- yeah, it's gonna yeah. stay volatile. It's gonna stay volatile. It's gonna stay that way. I, I agree with that, unfortunately, and uh the last three years have been evidence of Everything that you just said, and that was a remarkable comment, Brian, that that went from what would be a peaceful, uh, joyous, incredible vacation to a war struck area. Final minute closing comment. How best can people get a hold of you, Brian? Uh, ProjectDynamo.org is our website. There's a big red button that says donate. That's where you can go to give us help. And we need it. We need monthly donors. Doesn't matter how much you give. It all goes to ops. Also, that's where you can go to ask for help. If you're an American or you're a family member of an American in trouble, ask for help. If I can afford it and I can get there, you're coming home. That's it. Our social media, 
follow our stuff and share, share, share. I cannot tell you how much, how many leads we get for operations from social media. It's bizarre to me. I'm not a social media guy, but if you please follow our stuff and share, 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 it's unbelievable. The kid that we broke out of jail, their family found us because someone shared one of our social media posts. That's how they found us, and he's alive today because someone shared a Facebook post. Wow. Share, share, share. Okay. Brian, thank you. Uh, that, Best good, way. Good to be you. with you, Brian. Keep up the good work. I mean, you're obviously saving lives. Brian Stern of Project Dynamo. How about you check in? You're doing it now on the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. We'll be right back. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, 2023 has been a busy year, and the discussions won't stop in 2024 from the presidential election, world conflicts, and what's happening in D.C. We'll cover it all with a little fun along the way on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison Pete and Eric Harry Hurley filling in today for Brian, who will be back very, very soon right after the holidays. We talked earlier in Brian's program about Nikki Haley, the back and forth that she had in Berlin, New Hampshire, didn't have a good answer to the cause of the Civil War and and really is getting uh, quite a bit of grief for it. Brian always loves to get your participation in and your opinions about important issues that are that are happening we go to virginia to stewart welcome to the brian kilmeade show stewart and a merry fourth day of christmas to y'all i like that and christmas eve 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 while we're at it or i'm sorry new year's eve 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 stewart what do you think (laughs) is this a big deal what nikki haley did I was as gassed as everybody else when Nikki's knee didn't pop up as if hit by a doctor's hammer and shout out slavery, slavery, and then go on to some you know complicated argument about federalism. Uh, but I, I actually think it's just a sniggering moment of Schadenfreude for us uh, at the expense of a candidate who is usually razor sharp. Yes, I mean look, her, her instincts were very were very good at the beginning because she was like, uh, the Civil War. What you mean besides slavery? A chill would have settled over the room, and there wouldn't have been no follow-up, okay? But uh, she knows better than that, and I think in the end it's only going to be the only Trumpers who try to make a big deal out of this. And if they try, we try to make too big deal out of it, you know, I mean, in the face of this candidate, she's going to turn it into a positive. Yeah, we'll so, see. Uh, Stuart, I thank you for the call. We're going to get in one more call before we run out of time here. Uh, Brian Kilmeade's not that, and I'm not that, and we think it's it's a self-inflicted uh, gaff that should not have happened. Sandy is in Sheridan, New York. Sandy, your thoughts on this? Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you so much, and it's my pleasure to be here and be part of such a wonderful broadcast. I'll start out <clears throat> by saying SUA, which is USA, scrambled around to SUA, which means Stand Up America. We have to look around and understand what the past three years has changed, and you can't do that unless you know history. Um, The greatest country in the world, I always said, I love the fact that I can go border to border, coast to coast, because I want to. It's the same currency made under, with the promise of it, under God. So to your point, and the slavery issue, 
which is a horrible issue, but it's real. And, and it, it should, really and it, Sandy, do you agree it should have come up? Top of mind is the issue. It's great to talk to you, Sandy. And we'll take more of your phone calls in just a little bit. Don't go away. Brian Kilmeade will tell you we're the greatest country ever, but we're not perfect. And we never said that we were. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run. The freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm not running for president. I, 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 I wanted to see uh, your view on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? No, um, uh, you answered my question. That's Governor Nikki Haley. And we all were wondering what would be the next thing. That was something that we talked about. The next thing you say on this is going to matter. And I think that Nikki Haley really messed this up much, much worse now. She's blaming it on a Democratic plant. It doesn't matter who would ask that question. The answer should be self-evident. And I'm going to tell you that she acted like that was a very tough question when she said, well, don't come up with an easy question now. And in here, in an interview that she did, we may have some sound later in this half hour, but I can tell you that she's blamed it on a Democratic plant in a New Hampshire uh, radio interview on the Pulse of New Hampshire News Talk Radio Network. And she says, well, two things on this track. I mean, of course, the Civil War was about slavery. We all know that. So that's the easy part of it. Well, that there wouldn't be an issue right now if she would have just said that. That that would have been the perfect answer. But that's the answer. Now it's easy after you know the question and after you know the fallout. Let's take your temperature on the Brian Kilmeade Show on the phone lines, 866-408-7669. Kate in Central Florida. Welcome, Kate, to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, I'm new to radio programs, and I listen to all the top commentators, and I love Brian. He's great. Um, Yeah, the way he presents it. As far as Haley, I'm not one to really call up and make big deals out of everything. But I, I kept thinking, and when you said it, and I thought, you know, when she started before her debate, she was so sweet and this little sweet girl and the nice voice. After the first debate, I was like, whoa. I mean, she really blossomed, and she said something at the end to the crowd that I really didn't appreciate as a woman. I don't know how men to vote about it. She says, if you want something done, I can't word for word, but what it was, if you want something done, ask a man. Now, if you want to talk about it, if you want to talk about it, ask a a man. If you want something done about it you know, hire a woman. So, yeah, she she was just doing certain things that she knew she could get away with, that if it was happening reverse, there'd be a lot of a lot of problems with it being called misogynist and things like that on on the men's side. Kate, thank you for listening to Brian's program and for calling in today. And I appreciate what you had to say about Brian. And I second all of it. Brian's approach is always um, impressive to listen to. Sharon is in Texas. 
Sharon, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you. I have to say that for the first time, I do not disagree with Nikki Haley's answer, but I agree with you that her answer was not delivered well. She really flubbed it, but her answer itself was on target, and I would agree with it, and it's the first time I would agree with much of anything. Well, hey, Sharon, let's have a little fun here. Let me ask you this, though. If, if If her first answer was right, why did she have to have a second answer? She fell for the moderator's um, bait. Well, it, was just, yeah, it wasn't a moderator. It was, I think, they were taking questions from the crowd. Oh, right. Okay, she, whoever, she, but- right, right, right. She thinks, Sharon, that she got a Democrat, Democrat plant. But that's not a tough question, though. If you got a Democrat plant, they, they really served up a really easy question there. Well, you know, when I was in school, high school, I came home and asked my mother, who was served in World War II. My dad did, and they were both – they went through World War II. And I said, what do you think about the Civil War and slavery? And she said – and the war and what it was about. And she said it was a state's rights issue, and a, and I just – that nailed it for me, and I've never thought any differently. And I know slavery was involved big time, yeah. but – it, but Nikki's answer was really fundamentally on target. Uh, but I am not a Nikki Haley supporter, right. and I think Vivek is right. She's Dick Cheney in high heels. Okay, it's good to take your call, Sharon. Be well. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. The only thing I have to say, though, is push back just a little bit, Sharon. Uh, her answer, She changed her answer dramatically. She flipped the whole script. So she has two answers. The first answer was terrible. And the second answer, she makes it look like, oh, that's the obvious answer. Well, it can't be too obvious because she didn't say it. I I think, actually, this is more than we know. I think the more you look into this, the more that the the past of South Carolina uh, comes into play here. And as Brian said in his interview that we played earlier, this was a situation of I think she was trying to nuance and really not answer it, not broach the the obvious slavery aspect to this and we can let you listen to nikki haley's second answer go right ahead eric i mean of course the civil war was about slavery we know that that's that's the easy part of it what i was saying was what does it mean to us today what it means to us today is about freedom that's what that was all about it was about individual freedom it was about economic freedom it was about individual rights our goal is to make sure No, we never go back to the stain of slavery. But what's the lesson in all of that? That we need to make sure that every person has freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do and be anything they want to be without anyone or government getting in the way. That was the goal of what that was at. Yes, I know it was about slavery. I'm from the South. Of course, you know, it's about slavery. I don't like this answer because it makes her first answer even worse. And I said before I knew about this interview that her first comment after this was going to be really important. And I said that we need a cleanup in aisle three, five, and seven, and this isn't it. This is not it, and that's just part one. Now I think it gets worse because now you blame the person that gave you the question instead of taking responsibility that you just flubbed it. You, you, you whiffed. You know, baseball players make out seven out of ten times and are in the Hall of Fame. Uh, give us part two, Eric. But let's go to the second point of this. The second point of this is, why did this happen? Jack, the media has yet to connect the dots. First of all, I am the only candidate that Biden and the Democrats are running billboard ads against in Iowa. 
if you watch my town halls, this happened in my entire last swing. It'll happen this swing. Biden and the Democrats keep sending Democrat plants to do things like this to get the media to react. And President Trump had people fight at his rallies that people believe the other side put the people up to fighting so then they could report that there's fights at Trump rallies. So you got to, you know, it's big boy, big girl time. It's it's not uh, it's bad, bad answer on top of bad answer, in my humble opinion. Let's hear what Chantel has to say on KSEV in Houston. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're on the air, Chantel. Oh, hi there. Hi. Well, uh, like Sharon, I was taught that because of the Civil War was the state's rights and that slavery was a huge issue, but it wasn't the only issue. And so, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with most of um, Haley's answer because that was what I've been taught. Why do you suppose, Chantel, why do you suppose then she is now given this completely different answer, new answer, if the first answer was perfect? Oh, well, yeah, she's trying to see when somebody says to you, oh, no, ma'am, you've answered all my questions. That tells you you've flubbed. So she knew she had flubbed. She Um, did. She did. Which which really acknowledges that the totality of both answers would have been fine. All of it together would have been fine. Not addressing succession of the southern states, not addressing the issue of slavery. Big, big miss. Chantel, great to take your call. Uh, Thanks for listening and calling into the Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's go to Steve. He's listening on WCHV in Charlottesville. Uh, Welcome, Steve. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're on the air. Thank you very much. I appreciate your uh, letting me speak for a minute. I, like uh, the others, do not believe that the it was as obvious an answer as you think it was. And I'm not a big Nikki Haley fan. I think where she messed up was uh, she she answered too fast, too limited, because the comp the, the civil war the lead up to the civil war is very complicated, and the reasons for it, and it's something that we as a nation don't talk about. I live here in Charlottesville, where we, as everybody knows, in 2017 had a big a demonstration and a unfortunately somebody got killed in that uh and there were actors bad actors on both sides as someone has talked about in the past but that all was precipitated because they wanted to take down a statue of robert e lee without having discussion about who was robert e lee why did he fight in the civil war what were the different perspectives and it's sadly if nikki haley tried to do that in that in uh, that interview, I think she would have been labeled a white supremacist in today's date. Wow, so. Steve, Steve, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. When we get some more people in, uh, listeners of the Brian Kilmeade Show, uh, to share their thoughts, I'll, I'll give you a quick response, Steve. She didn't think too fast. She was thinking very deliberately. She actually put in some comfort words filler words while she was getting her thoughts together with the, well, don't come up with an easy question. And then, I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run the freedoms. And she was riffing. She wasn't addressing the root cause of the Civil War, and she was botching it. And I don't think we're being unfair about it because we've been very fair. Her follow-up comments are very tough to defend. 
she says the answer is so easy, which makes her first answer terrible. And then she's blaming it on a plant rather than just accepting responsibility for the question. As a candidate, you've got to take all comers. I'm sure there are plants all over in national campaigns. Jeremy is in Phoenix. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi there, Jeremy. How are you? Good, sir. Yeah, you're, you basically made my point for me just now with the response of the previous caller. Um, you know, her, her response, you know, to be duped by a so-called plant in whatever that meeting was and, and, and botch that question so badly just speaks to her, not necessarily her lack of intelligence, because I'm sure she's a very intelligent person, but her inability to think. And, I would, and, and, and you know what I think, Jeremy, too? You shouldn't even say he just she just gave such oxygen blaming it on a democrat plant such a basic question i think that is a very unserious thing to do right absolutely yeah backtracking and defending just makes it look worse jeremy good to take your call and thanks for listening to the brian kilmeade show don is in mississippi don welcome to the brian kilmeade show your thoughts my thoughts is is that while slavery was an issue, it was not the issue or the reason, the main reason, for the Civil War. Well, okay, so you just said it. What was the main reason for the Civil War in your estimation? Because a lot of people do disagree, I'm sure, with that comment. What was the reason for the Civil War? States' rights. Well, then why did Nikki Haley change her answer then? That's what she said. Well, now, why Nikki Haley changed her answer, I don't know. It wasn't one of her greatest moments on stage. Yeah, she needed, Don, you don't bury the lead. That's got to be in there. When you're giving an answer to a question such as that, the only time in American history, think about it, hundreds of thousands of Americans uh, killing each other. Uh, And if you don't have the lead, you know, an editor a long, long time ago, when I was a cub reporter many years ago, said you got to have the score of the game, you got to have the the facts in the very first sentence. Don, great to take your call. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. We will be back. Don't go away. Much more on a busy news day. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Republican debates to Joe Biden's missteps to the Hamas-Israel conflict, Ukraine funding and the war that may not end in 2023, what a year it's been. Now, the discussion will not end in 2024, so keep it here. The very latest on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Brian's right about that. It absolutely is flying by, and I'm loving the opportunity to take such varying opinions from all over the country. It's interesting. On the same topic, many different opinions. Hey, you're being too tough on Nikki Haley. Hey, I agree. Uh, I'm not a supporter of Nikki Haley, but I think, you know, this and that. It's very, very interesting. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison Pete. And Eric, my name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Brian. And just a reminder, because we've had several callers that have brought up the issue of as though slavery is not really a big issue, uh, why the Civil War occurred. Uh, That would not be true. It is. And you take South Carolina, for example, which is why I keep saying that I think perhaps Nikki Haley and Brian said it as well, 
in the interview that we played that he did earlier this morning uh, in another part of the country where Brian said that perhaps she was trying nuance because South Carolina, this is interesting that Nikki Haley went the direction that she did because in the reasons cited for South Carolina wanting to secede the union, slavery was mentioned in the opening sentence. So it should have been in her opening sentence in Berlin, New Hampshire, when she got tripped up. Rich is joining us from Jacksonville, Florida. Rich, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're on the air. Hey, how you doing, Harry? Well, Rich, thank you for asking. Um, All the reasons that people are giving uh, really weren't the cause of the Civil War. What you got to understand is there were two things going on. There was secession, and then there was the war. All the stuff they're talking about is parts of the reason for secession. The reason there was a war was because Lincoln wanted to force the South back into the Union. But the issue of slavery comes up very early in the conversation, though, doesn't it? Well, as far as the war goes, Lincoln himself said he had no interest in ending slavery or making the black man equal to the white man. Well, he was the like, war. Let, let me let me say, that, Rich, I want to thank you for the call, because I want to just take a quick moment before we get the next call in to draw attention to Brian's work. If you go to Brian's book and he speaks to this so very well in the president and the freedom fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. Lincoln wanted to do much more. Listen to Brian when he uh, opines on this topic. But he knew at a certain point in time how much you could do and that you wouldn't have the ability to do everything that you wanted to do. And and it's, Brian says it much better. Peggy in Florida, let's get a quick comment, Peggy. You're on the air. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Peggy. Um, hi. What Nikki Haley said is correct, and I'm a retired history teacher, and I could never understand why there's still so much controversy on why the Civil War was fought. And I was asking university professors why. And it boils down to where you're born and where you're educated. If you're born in the North, slavery is the only issue for the Civil War, and you hold fast to it. And you're Peggy, we're at the end of the hour. I would love to have taken more of your comment, but do remember that Nikki Haley was governor of South Carolina, and it was in the first sentence. We'll be back. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in for Brian Kilmeade, who Talkers Magazine rates as the third most important radio talk show host in the United States of America. Honored to fill in for Brian who I believe is the hardest working person in our business. It is my privilege to present on the Brian Kilmeade Show, on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline, Adam Scott Bellos, Chief Executive Officer of the Israeli of the Israel Innovation Fund, and his handle on formerly Twitter, now X, Adam Scott Bellos, really just as it sounds, two T's in Scott, two L's in Bellos, at Adam Scott Bellos. And the... Um, organization is a registered 501c3 not-for-profit in America. 
and it is a registered nonprofit organization in Israel. Always important, Mr. President, what you do, I, I would presume extremely important right now with everything that's happening with the Israel-Hamas war. Adam, welcome to Brian's program. Harry, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here with you. I meant what I said about that. Your work is always important, but now more than ever. Yes, I, mean, I, really, I really appreciated that. That was very kind of you to say. Share your thoughts about that. Oh, well, you know, my organization uh, mostly focuses on uh, sharing Israeli culture. We actually have a program called Wine on the Vine, uh, which is uh, basically meant to promote the Israeli wine industry and agriculture. And if you're familiar, for over 100 years, people planted trees in the land of Israel uh, to help cultivate uh, the state. And uh, we actually ended up entering the 21st century with more trees than we had in the previous century, and we're the only country to do that. And we actually have an overabundance of trees. So we started a program for people to plant grapevines with Israeli wineries and Israeli vineyards. And if you plant enough vines, you can get a bottle of wine. So, you know, the agricultural economy has been completely decimated at this time. It's only one of the projects that we do, but it's very important at this time. I, I, I would have to agree with you. Adam, how else can folks connect to what I'll call the Israeli experience? Well, I, you know, fortunately for the modern day, there's tons of news coming out of Israel. Um, if you actually go on Telegram, there are certain Telegram channels that you can uh, uh, connect to that have really great up-to-date information constantly about what's going on in the, in the war right now. That's actually how most of Israel found real-time information about what was going on on October the 7th. Um, people were updating the Telegram channels as the massacre was actually happening, and that's where most of the horrific footage was found. I would also say reading Israeli newspapers like the Jerusalem Post or the Times of Israel or JNS uh, is a great way as well. There's also Israeli English television channels that you can watch. Um, there's tons of different ways to connect to the Israel experience and, and follow um, our country fighting this war that we did not want and we did not start. Yeah, I think why it's extremely important that your organization continue to be able to do its great work. I, I believe this is a worldwide phenomenon. The way that Israel continues to be blamed as though Israel was not attacked first by terrorists and that they are defending themselves. So anything that can be done by way of getting out the truth about Israel now more than ever is extremely important. I, I almost want to say I'm sure you agree with that, Adam. Oh, I, I completely agree with it. But I want to go back to something that you said earlier, and you said the Israel-Hamas war. I want to correct you on something. This is not the Israel-Hamas war. This is the Israel-Iran war. Touche. This is the Israel-Iran war. Okay, the Israel versus the Islamic Republic of Iran. This is uh, the global conflict that Iran has wanted and that the Biden administration and the Obama administration really made happen, in my opinion. Adam, let and me let me complete... ask you something about that, because I totally agree with what you said. I do not mind being corrected. And you don't know this because it's the first time we've ever spoken. I have often commented that it is Iran funded by Iran, trained by Iran. It's them all the way. Would you say that, that Iran's participation is similar to 
China is in a proxy war with Russia and that kind of thing? Uh, or do you see Iran top billing their war beyond the term proxy? A hundred percent. I mean, like, I think this is no longer a proxy war. Yeah, clearly. This is a clearly a direct conflict Agreed. with Iran. Uh, I, I mean, they're using their proxies, but by the by the way, Adam, see how the, but you see how hesitant the world is. I'll just say that very globally, very generically, how hesitant the world is to even say that Iran is involved. Even if you see the missiles are Iranian, they, they act like we don't know yet. We're still looking. We just don't know yet. Go ahead, Adam. No, no, no. I was just going to say I completely agree with you. And the reason for that is it's because for some reason, President Obama, when he was elected, not even a second term, when he was elected, went in knowing he wanted to legitimize Iran and yeah. bring them into the, the world of nations. And what I can't understand is how someone like a president of the free world was able to do that in good conscience given what had been going on between 2008 and 2016. Well, Adam, read, read his books. You know, the first one was about yeah. himself, no. Dreams of My 100%. Father. He'll tell you right in there. He's not a fan of Israel, uh, not a fan of the United Kingdom. Uh, picked up Iran when Iran was broke as a joke. Uh, got them off their knees with funding. I mean, it's outrageous what, what was and, and done And not there. only that, once the Trump administration completely crippled them, the Biden administration threw them a lifeline. And Correct. once again, I, I mean, this war started, what, less than 12 weeks after the infusion of cash that the Biden administration gave them? I, I, no similar to the cash that yeah. uh, the Obama administration gave them. There's this direct link. You know, the, the greatest human rights violators in the world, Xi Jinping's China, Putin's Russia, and the Ayatollah's, you know, Islamic Republic, for some reason, are, are sitting on the most important councils in the U.N., for some reason, are not being condemned as much as Israel in the U.N. or in the world stage. And, and then recently, you know, you had President Obama say that we both have blood on our hands. And that was said no more than three weeks after the massacre of October the 7th. And I, I think this I think this disgusting talk of uh, what, what's the word in English? Uh, proportionality. Uh, it is absolutely horrific. Not only that, everybody is ignoring the fact that the people of Gaza are prisoners of Hamas. And not only that, many of them are also radicalized. It's the same thing in the West Bank. You know, Mahmoud Abbas in the West Bank is on like the 16th year of a four-year term. No one is actually looking at the nuances and the facts on the ground of what has created these extremist Jew-hating elements. And, and look and at hey, Adam. Look at the time. The look, Adam, look at the timing of this. In real time, I am receiving while you are speaking truth. I'm receiving uh, word from Fox News: second American hostage dies in Gaza. Uh, oh, and I'm I'm so with you on this. I I didn't realize. Uh, May their memory th be a blessing. Exactly. You know, I'm I am so pleased that this is where you are taking the conversation, because these are things that need to be said. There is no moral equivalent. I go back to the um, the words of Golda Meir in the early 60s. How, how do you exist with people that want your annihilation from the planet? I mean, there's no peace to be achieved. Uh, there's no negotiation. Of course. When, you, when that's your partner. Exactly. Yeah, they, they negotiate with us. We want you gone from the face of the earth, uh, but we're going to negotiate in good faith. Uh, 
I, I know that an organization such as yours, I mentioned it's a not-for-profit, registered not-for-profit, 501c3 in America, registered not-for-profit in Israel, the Israel Innovation Fund. We're visiting with the chief executive officer, Adam Scott Bellos, on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Programs that you you want to do, things that you need to do, I mean, it takes money to make it happen, doesn't uh, it? it? It does. Actually, one of the things that I'm I'm starting to push right now behind the scenes this is the first time I'm speaking publicly about it, um, and, and it's something that I, I deeply felt after I saw all of the protests around the states since October the 7th and how violent they've become. And not only that, just, you know, at the rate of increase, you know, that they are, is that I, I truly believe that uh, the Jewish institutions need to start exporting um, Karav Maga teachers the way they export cultural uh, emissaries, so to speak. For the Jewish community. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that the Jewish community has made since October the 7th is that they are not taking a priority of teaching the next generation self-defense. Because there's one thing that the early Zionist movement and leaders knew when they built the country. They needed to create a new Jew. Okay, uh, you know, back in the day, Jews weren't allowed to ride horses. They had to wear special clothing. They, they you know, they weren't allowed to have armaments. And, you know, if you look at what is going on today with the anti-Semitism, it mirrors what happened more than 100 years ago and what led to the Holocaust. The difference is, is that we have the state of Israel, but the, the Jewish community in America has not always taken that route. And, and you see that with the reaction to the Ivy League schools right now. How I mean, it took 20 years to get to this point, it's not like all of a sudden anti-Semitism was found on these campuses or, or kids were afraid to leave their dorms. This has been happening for years. And no one question. thing that we know is that anti-Semites are scared of tough Jews. There's a reason why they're calling for ceasefire after ceasefire, even when Hamas continues to break it. Or why on October 6th there was a ceasefire and October 7th there wasn't one. And, I, and I, you know, if I could send a message to my my tribe in America. Yeah, and Adam, we have 30 seconds. I don't want to stop the conversation, but we have a hard break. 30 seconds, no please. Problem. Please. And no, it's just time to it's time to yep. begin to defend yourself. It's time to begin to learn how to defend yourself. You know, one of the great things about America is the Second Amendment. Everybody should be arming themselves and learning to use their arms uh, smartly and be educated in it. And, um, you know, hopefully the, uh, the large percentage and majority of Americans are pro-Israel and do not want their country destroyed by anti-Semitism, because at the end of the day, anti-Semitism destroys countries. Adam, this was such an important conversation. I am glad we had the opportunity to have it together on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Be well. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year. You do the same. What a presenter. Adam Scott Bellos, the chief executive officer of the Israel Innovation Fund. We will be right back, and you'll hear from Brian Kilmeade next. This is... The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, 2023 has been a busy year, and the discussions won't stop in 2024 from the presidential election, world conflicts, and what's happening in D.C. We'll cover it all with a little fun along the way on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back to The Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today. For Brian Kilmeade, the hardest working man in our business, even when he's supposedly off, he was working today. And he commented, and his comments, obviously, with his background 
with the great books that he has written all throughout American history, has as much or more credibility as anybody we could present uh, today. So this is a great opportunity for you to hear Brian Kilmeade more on this whole dust-up of presidential candidate Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, who was pretty much paralyzed by a question in a town hall in New Hampshire about the cause of the United States Civil War. Eric, cut 22. Uh, The harder question was in the turn of the century, what happened that had the South go backwards after the Civil War? And then what did you do to change things? And what was the pushback like then? And then you could say, wow, she's got to work with not alienating generations of South Carolinians, generations of others who have pride in the fact that their relatives were wrong on slavery but right on other things. So there is a complicated answer to that. I remember um, uh, at that park, uh, I think it's Liberty Park, overlooking Fort Sumter with uh, with Senator Tim Scott and Senator Lindsey Graham, white guy, black guy, representing New South Carolina. And he talked about how far we have come since the time in which uh, people used to go to school. When Tim Scott went to school, never went to the white section, never hung out there. There was definitely separate but equal uh, sense in the South at the time. There's a nuanced question to it. And then I remember Lindsey Graham looked up at a Confederate statue and said they weren't bad people. Uh, They supported a bad thing. That's the argument that gets people going and gets uh, gets people thinking and and putting us back in that time. And then we have this great intellectual debate, but fundamentally saying that it wasn't free state, slave state. And it wasn't if you don't let me keep my slaves, I secede. I am seceding. No, you're not. That's unconstitutional. You will come back. No, I won't. Now we're going to have a war until you do. And then ultimately we destroyed you. So now you are back. And then reconstruction takes place. But she knows this. This is a crazy thing. This isn't, uh, let's say, a 37-year-old Vivek Ramaswamy who might have learned something, some nuance uh, in private school about what the Civil War was actually about. This is a woman who was governed over a former slave state. This is this to me makes no sense. I cannot wait just to hear her just walk this back and just tap into her background. Isn't that perfect? I mean, the perfect comments from the man who literally wrote the book, Brian Kilmeade. Let's hear what you have to say, uh, Brian's valued listeners. Tommy is listening to the Brian Kilmeade show on KRMG in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tommy, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade show. You're on the air. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, Pleasure. It's a blessing to be on his show, period. He's number one in my book. That's I all agree. to it on media. I would like to say I think several callers, including the one that just had it, kind of got that wrong. Listen, the Civil War was definitely about slavery. We talk about the states as being slave states. He never once said somebody had to get rid of anything or they, they it just this was about freeing the Emancipation Proclamation was about freeing a person. You couldn't own another person. You could own and do anything else. It definitely was about slavery. Nikki Haley totally bombed it. She did not know. I mean, I just think she flat didn't get it. You can have rocket scientists who can't put batteries and flashlights, uh-huh. and that's okay. You know, you are what you focus on. She's not been focused, and that's a sad answer coming since it is South Carolina. Uh, gosh, one of the you know states in the forefront. Her second answer totally bombed it. She yeah. had a chance to say, yes, that is the easy answer. I should have done it. Sorry, I missed it. I mean, I'm sure through her life she's heard about slavery, but she totally bombed it, couldn't own it, and she just didn't. 
And, well, Tommy, thank you uh, so much. I want to have time to uh, share that cut. Uh, Eric, the second part of Nikki Haley's answer when she's blaming a Democrat plant rather than just owning the issue. But let's go to the second point of this. The second point of this is, why did this happen? Jack, the media has yet to connect the dots. First of all, I am the only candidate that Biden and the Democrats are running billboard ads against in Iowa. If you watch my town halls, this happened in my entire last swing. It'll happen this swing. Biden and the Democrats keep sending Democrat plants to do things like this to get the media to react. Well, that's bad because you bombed and then you came out with a different answer that, hey, we all know that. That's the obvious answer. But that wasn't the first answer. It was the second answer. Then the third answer is blame it on a Democrat plant, which is, um, you know, you just don't get a chance to just blame, you know, somebody that's asking a question at a town hall. A very important interview coming up next with the United States Congressman Jeff Van Drew who was a member of the House Judiciary Committee. Breaking news about what President Biden might be facing next. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. He is so busy that he works when he's off. He's been on the program twice today with some of the most important content of the program this is the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison, Pete, and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley, and it is my privilege, it's an honor, to fill in today for Brian, who I consider not only a great friend, but the hardest working person in our business. He's just terrific. And joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show Newsmaker Hotline is another hardworking man, United States Congressman Jeff Van Drew. He is a member of the House Judiciary Committee. This is a committee that Congressman Van Drew wanted to be on understands its relevance. And here we are, I believe, at a tipping point moment in American presidential history, because, you know, this is all congressmen been about Trump getting charged 81 times, indicted, civil, criminal, all of this. And here we go. We have a sitting president who knew that his son was going to defy lawful congressional subpoenas and knew what his son was going to say about it. And I'm just wondering, I'm not a lawyer, but is this conspiracy to obstruct? Uh, does this involve Joe Biden in yet another layer of, of potential criminality? Because it's only it's only in fashion to, to charge Trump. You know, the, the, the other side just gets away with all this. Uh, Congressman, I know you know about this letter from your chairman and from the chairman, Comer, of the House Oversight Committee, Jordan and, and uh, Comer, Welcome to Brian's program, and take it away from there. Thank you, Harry. Always good to be with you. You know, there's a recurring theme uh, with this particular Department of Justice and with this particular administration, it, and I really mean this, it, and people sense it. It is justice for thee, but not for me. In other words, you know, I don't have to abide by the rules. I don't have to succumb to what real justice is, but everybody else does, and even more well beyond that. Here's another case. You have the president's son. He gets a lawful, appropriate subpoena to appear for depositions and eventually for testimony in front of the entire committee. And again, this is a standing committee that has both Republicans and Democrats on it. And he does not 
He doesn't do it. He doesn't show up. Instead, he has a crazy press conference that means nothing and says that, in, in essence, he's not going to do it. Now, I'm one that believes because of what he's done and not complying with this subpoena that she, he should be held in contempt of Congress. You would be. I would be. Any else, anybody else would be. And, and Congressman reason, Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro have been. Yes. They were criminally absolutely. charged. Absolutely. And and that's the issue here. I mean, you know, lawful subpoena. He could come with his attorneys, do his depositions. He's had some of the best representation. He has some of the yeah. best representation in the world around him and just do what any American should or would want to do. And by the way, under fair circumstances, the problem that we have with some other subpoenas that have been issued by Democrats in the past or some of their committees, they weren't standing committees. They didn't have Republicans and Democrats on them. But this committee does. And it's a standing, legitimate committee. Yeah. And he should be doing that. However, okay. what's happened instead is uh, we, we and again, we've sent a letter from our Judiciary Committee, Chairman Jordan, um, and, uh, you know, of course, oversight as well, Chairman Comer, to say, well, what's going on here? Because they've got a sense, and it seems to be borne out from what the president's spokesman said, that there's a real possibility that the White House counsel was advising Hunter Biden, President Biden's son, not to appear. That's obstructing justice yeah. at the highest levels and is a real concern. What, what about this, Congressman Van Drew? Corrine Jean-Pierre said publicly from the the press you know, briefing room from the dais that, quote, certainly President Biden was familiar with what his son was going to say. He she also confirmed that he knew the president knew that his son would not honor the subpoena. What what is what is his obligation as the head of the executive branch uh, when he has knowledge of a crime that's about to be committed? Look, I, I'm not being cute here. I know it's his son. And you love your son, and I'll give him that. But anybody else, this would be conspiracy to obstruct. Absolutely. And, and here's the deal. No father is responsible for the sins of the son or vice versa. And nobody's saying that Joe Biden should be in trouble because of the son's drugs and women and alcoholism and gun offenses and, you know, uh, not paying his taxes, all of these things. I mean, his son's done a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. The problem here. Bad is, art, too, but that's just, it, just for fun. Yeah, and real bad art sold at real high prices. Really yes. weird. Yeah. Um, and we know what that's about. But the, the, the real issue here is not that his son has done this stuff. The real issue is how his father, how his White House counsel, how those in authority, including the Department of Justice in the past, have done things that are completely inappropriate and wrong and very possibly impeachable just to save his son because he's the president's son. That's the problem. The president directly interfering through his White House counsel. You know, I just want to remind people real quickly. I mean, you, you know, you go back to the Department of Justice and you realize what they were trying to do, obviously getting pushed to do this, to have a unique plea deal that the judge, when she saw it, had never seen before to say that Hunter was basically going to be exonerated for all of the bad stuff he did. And by the way, <laughs> exonerated for anything else they might find in the future. Yeah, retroactive. I mean, Retroactive, man, that, 
I don't think there's a, an example of that in American jurisprudence. So, you know, what's happening here is, again, this two-tiered system of justice. Harry, I'm tired of it. You're tired of it. And you know who's the most tired of it? hardworking American people who are breaking their back every day, and they sure don't get that preferential treatment. No doubt. And let's go on to another uh, issue where it is, it is a separate, uh, different standard than it was for President Trump, for example. And if you're just tuning in, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show with United States Congressman Jeff Van Drew from New Jersey's 2nd Congressional District. We got, just went right into it fast. I want to make sure people know uh, that it is you, the only member of Congress uh, in the House of Representatives in American history to leave the majority party for the minority party. That's how much Congressman Van Drew's uh, previous party left him. He didn't leave them, to quote President Reagan. Here's another one that is, um, I know life is not fair, uh, and I'm not a big fan of whataboutisms and all this, but I'm going to go do it here. The House Oversight Committee chair James Comer has confirmed that he believes that there are at least a trio of pseudonyms that now President Biden, then Vice President Biden in real time, used uh, to do business, to make have communications in names that would never come back to him, uh, such as Robert Peters, Robin, which is part of his name. I think it's Robinette, but Robin Ware and J.R.B. Ware, there is a belief that there are at least 82,000 pages of these pseudonym emails being withheld. Uh, They got like 14 pages, which Comer has confirmed, Congressman Comer, Chairman Comer has confirmed, quote, didn't even amount to one half of one percent of what he has requested. Now, this is supposed to be, I thought, everybody's National Archives National Archives went to the FBI to try to stick it to President Trump, and they did all they did so so well, didn't they? Here, they won't turn over. It's almost a year now, since August, uh, many, many months ago. The National Archives won't turn these documents over. Uh, this is the country we now live in, Congressman. It's unbelievable, and it goes back, and I don't mean to keep driving this theme, but it's justice for thee, but not for me. So the justice for the Biden family is totally different than the justice for the Trump family. Um, and, and, you know, Trump, they're going after him basically almost all this for nothing burgers, nothing really there, but they're still doing it. But on the case where there really is stuff there, um, in the case of Joe Biden, not only what you just mentioned, shell corporations, yeah. money being transferred from a failed hospital corporation to his brother, Jim. And when they when they went into bankruptcy, the corporation said they gave him the money because they wanted to use the Biden name the very same day it is then transferred over to joe biden you can't make this stuff up no i mean it's it's all over the place there are so many problems there are so many issues there's so much there's so much smoke it's impossible that there isn't fire and you know you, you go all the way back to joe biden when he was then vice president meeting with a russian oligarch and somehow millions were transferred over to his son's accounts at just about the same time. And by the way, that Russian oligarch was the only one not to be sanctioned. Or how about the fact that they've accumulated as a family and their associates over $15 million from Ukraine, from Russia, from China, from Kazakhstan, from Romania, 
this is not normal stuff. Think about it, America. You, this, you, there's nobody else doing this kind of stuff. He never even registered his son as a foreign agent, and Correct. he obviously was a foreign agent. It goes on and on. You know, there's so much stuff, Harry, it can make your head spin. You are listening to House Judiciary Committee member, United States Congressman Jeff Andrew, on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro only remain out of jail while their appeal is is running its course. If they fail on appeal, they're going to jail. Is it is it conceivable to you that if Hunter Biden gets another chance and then doesn't go and honor the congressional subpoenas, that if he is found in contempt of Congress, that the attorney general, this Justice Department that has jailed and wants to jail Trump associates would simply not bring because until they started doing this uh, by Trump derangement syndrome rules of order, no one ever got jailed for any of this stuff. They were found in contempt of Congress. Eric Holder was found in contempt of Congress, but they never took it to the next step to indict people. Well, that's it's a new day, as you know, at least for one side. Could we live in a country where Trump people get jailed and the Biden son doesn't even get charged? This is what I am so angry and tired of and sad about. Yes, we do live in that country right now. <clears throat> we must change that. We all need to have the same system of justice. We do not now. And I, it makes me sad to say, and, you know, before I was on Judiciary Committee, and I've spent a good amount of time there, and we've looked over thousands of documents, hours of time, um, it's clear that that is true, that we don't have the same system of justice. So I'm hoping um, that we move forward and hold them in contempt of Congress. And I'm equally hoping that that finally scares them into doing the right thing. It's what we did with the Facebook files. You know, there was right. direct communication in, with Facebook about who should be put on and who should be taken off and who would be censored. I know it's unbelievable, but it's absolutely true. And they wouldn't they weren't forthcoming Zuckerberg with the information. We finally held them. We said we were going to hold them in contempt. He had enough. He turned it all over and we had the proof. So everybody knows if you wonder why sometimes somebody, you know, their Facebook just it doesn't go up or, you know, that things are taken down. It is because of this direct communication that existed with the administration and with Zuckerberg's people over there yep. at Facebook. Congressman, well, but two, I want to get something in real quick. Two minute drill. So we have time to develop this a bit. Uh, I want to ask you your thoughts. I mean, obviously, Hunter defied the subpoenas. But he did it like you had Bannon and Navarro say we have executive privilege. They they fought it legally. They didn't go and appear on the Senate side of the Capitol building, uh, just flaunting their defiance of the subpoena. They just felt that they were covered. They were protected, that it was privilege type conversation with the president in their position. That used to be the way that it was. Not anymore. Uh, even Trump's attorneys and now have to, to, to break attorney-client privilege. We're living in very scary times. But Hunter Biden went on the Senate side with his attorney and Representative Eric Swalwell. I think Swalwell did something here that's very, very wrong. Well, I, I just, you know, Swalwell also sits on the Judiciary Committee and, and, a, and a subcommittee with me as well. 
and there isn't a, a, a meeting that goes by that I can't help but get into an argument with him. Um, he, he just doesn't represent, in my opinion, true American values. And, you know, I don't like to ever be mean to another member, but it's just true. I mean, I, I don't know what he's about. He's been in trouble in the past. I think he's going to get trouble in the future. I mean, why anybody wanna, would want to be associated with Hunter, what he's done in the past and what he's doing now. But see, this is what Hunter believes. And this is what the Biden family believes, that the rules don't apply to them. Right. That they don't have to comply, that they don't have to do that. And, and Harry, I'm sorry to say this, but that's what you see in dictatorships. That's what you see in communism. And I'm carefully choosing my words, but the, the words are true. This is not Americanism. This is not what America does. It's not what we ever did. And what's going on is awful. And that's just another example, openly defiant to the rule of law. And same thing they do with the border. It's illegal for have illegals come across the border. Not only do they have them and open the borders, they process them. They move them through and open the gates yeah. even wider. And, and give them uh, notices from ICE to come back in eight years. <laughs> which is a joke. Which is oh, my God. Joke. 30 seconds. Closing comment. Just talking about that border saying 30 seconds. I met with the inspector general for Homeland Security. He's a good man. He tells me that they try to check the addresses that all these illegals are supposedly going. They're vacant lots, empty stores, commercial properties. They are just defying the law, and it's dangerous. Congressman Jeff Andrew, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Thank you. Happy New Year, my good friend. Take care to you and your listeners. Great to have you on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We told you it is and and it has been a very busy news day on the Brian Kilmeade show. From the Republican debates to Joe Biden's missteps to the Hamas-Israel conflict, Ukraine funding and the war that may not end in 2023. What a year it's been. Now, the discussion will not end in 2024. So keep it here. The very latest on the Brian Kilmeade show. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show with Allison Pete and Eric. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for the great Brian Kilmeade. Let's end on a decision 2024, even though it's still 2023, election ballot note, because this is for the 2024 presidential election process. We've been wondering, I think everybody's been wondering, would it be President Trump himself? Who would be the interested party? And you need to be an interested party to file the appeal because the Colorado Republican primary ballot must be formulated by January 5th. I believe it goes out to print on January 6th. I mean, we're literally talking about like barely a week from now. So no one had appealed. So we kept wondering who's going to appeal. We now know the Colorado Republican Party has appealed, and this was yesterday, late, the Colorado State Supreme Court's decision that found that President Donald Trump is ineligible for the presidency. So that's really fantastical. Four Democrats appointed by former Governor Hickenlooper, who's now in Congress, three other Democrats voted the other way. So it's pretty extraordinary especially considering how do you violate Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, where it doesn't even appear that the president is a covered employee. But even if you say he is, even though Antonin Scalia said, hey, the Constitution says what it says, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say, and it doesn't say he's covered, uh, he was never charged with it. So I think he's going to win on that. They'll take it. And Michigan, 
didn't take the case, so the lower court ruling stands there. And there's about 12 other states. So the Supreme Court, they don't want to get in this. They're going to have to get into this. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.